Hi, everybody. Everybody having a good finals week? We're praying for you guys. I know it is uh, difficult and stretching for those of you that are in school and you're taking finals. This is a good thing for you. It's a good thing for your character. This is a season that God has you in right now, and his grace is with you. And you guys are going to make it. You've got what it takes, and we're praying for you. Um, you might be having a rough week. I... I'm not having a rough week. I have actually had a really great week, and even though it's only Tuesday, I got off to a great start because Sunday, I got to go, my wife and I, along with our friend Austin, we got to go down to Jacksonville and see the Broncos beat the Jaguars, which was really exciting, um, and uh, I don't know if you know this, we have, a, we have a saying kind of where I come from, and it, it goes like this, it, if God is not a Broncos fan, then why are sunsets orange? That's a saying that's very well known in the western part of the states. And I don't want uh, Clemson fans stealing that phrase that's ours, we made it, we own that, it's a Bronco phrase. And uh, it's actually scriptural that God is a Bronco fan because um, in, in the book of Revelation, if you look in Revelation 19 verse 11, you'll see that Jesus comes and he is riding a white bronco. He's leading a whole heavenly army. He's riding a white bronco. So there you have it. You could search through the Bible. You're not going to find anything about Panthers. You're not going to find anything about Cowboys in the Bible or anything like that. It's not there. You can try it. You won't find it. God is a Broncos fan, and they came out with a win. You're Super Bowl champion, Denver Broncos. But that's not what tonight is about. Tonight we are continuing our series, Uncommon Christmas. And if you weren't here last week, you need to download last week's message. Uh, Mike did a fantastic job of kicking off that series. If you weren't here, you gotta download it. You gotta listen to it. Um, so we're gonna continue that. And tonight, our story, we're gonna, we're gonna look at the Christmas story. The Christmas story is a very uncommon story. There was lots of uncommon things happening in this story. So we're going to pick up in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 11. Now, this is starting off with a priest named Zechariah. Not Zechariah, Zechariah. And uh, he's a priest, and he's in the temple, and he's doing his priestly duties. He's lighting the incense, and he is in the innermost temple, part of the temple where the presence of God is. So it's a very, very important thing, and... We'll, we'll start reading there, Luke 1, 11. And there appeared to him, to Zechariah, an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. 
he uses, like he knows, he's a married man. He's been married for a while. He says, I'm old. My wife is advanced in years. Notice the language. He goes easy on the wife. He's not going to say his wife is old. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. So, lots of interesting things in this story. First of all, let's start with Gabriel. There are only two angels mentioned by name in the Bible. Michael, who was like a warrior angel. In the Bible, it shows how Michael actually kicked Lucifer out of heaven. And Gabriel, he seems to be kind of a messenger angel. He brought a message to Daniel in the book of Daniel. And here he is bringing a message to Zechariah. And he's going to bring even more messages. He's going to bring a message to Mary. And we're going to see him bring a message to Joseph. So this is definitely um, the, the, the biggest message that Gabriel has ever had to tell in his angelic career. But uh, it's pretty cool that he is there. And he's, he tells Zechariah, your prayers have been heard. And imagine, Zechariah said himself, I'm old, my wife is advanced, and how are we going to have a child? How is this going to happen? So Zechariah is not even thinking about having a child anymore, right? It's It's obvious that this prayer is a prayer that he prayed a long time ago. But the angel comes to him and says, your prayers have been heard. Isn't it cool that God keeps our prayers? He knows our prayers, even our prayers from a long time ago. And it's very interesting, uh, in the book of Revelation 5, chapter 8, it says that God saves our prayers. Our prayers are are in heaven. They're in golden bowls. You can read it for yourself, Revelation 5, 8. They're in golden bowls. It says they're, they're like incense. It says these are the prayers of the saints. It's not talking about the New Orleans saints. They don't have a prayer. This is talking about us, the believers, the Christians, But God saves our prayers. Isn't that awesome? And so here's this prayer. Zechariah and his wife probably prayed a long time ago. They were never able to have kids up until this time when they're they're old and advanced and aged. So then uh, Gabriel says that basically their, their prayer matters to God. And the Lord has kept it. And he says, you're going to have a son. And he's going to prepare the way of the Lord. But Zechariah, he's so old and he just can't imagine this happening. He's basically asking Gabriel for a sign. He's like, how shall I know this? How, how, you know, what what is the sign? Can you give me a sign that's going to explain to me how how this is going to happen and when it's going to happen? And there's just this little doubt. There's this fear and there's this doubt that Zechariah has. And there's this very quick judgment that the angel gives to Zechariah, and obviously the angel Gabriel had permission from God to do this, but he says, look, because you doubted, because you didn't believe, you're going to be mute, and you won't be able to speak until all of this is fulfilled. Isn't it interesting how quick the judgment came? Listen, we are all going to be judged by what we believe. Like God has spoken to us through his word, 
And he's spoken to us through people sometimes, through situations. Sometimes God speaks to your heart. We're going to be judged by how we believe what he tells us. And this is just an example of a very, very quick and kind of an easy judgment. But we are all going to stand before God, and I believe that God is going to ask us, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with my word? What did you do with what I commanded you? And because Zechariah didn't believe, he's mute. And I got to wonder, is Zechariah, is he thinking like, I can't believe I'm mute. Why couldn't this happen to my wife? It happens to me. This is unbelievable that I am mute. And so he he goes home and uh, he goes home and miraculously his wife gets pregnant. Just because he's mute doesn't mean everything else wasn't working fine. His wife gets pregnant. Nine months later, they have a son, and they name him John. So this is really cool that this happened. So here's the message, that God is going to call you to do uncommon things. So don't be in doubt. Don't be in fear. God is going to call you to do uncommon things, in uncommon ways because he is an uncommon God. So have faith and believe his word. Take him at his word. Believe it. Believe what he speaks to you is true and do it. The other thing that's very interesting was Zechariah, when he first saw the angel, he was very troubled. And and this great fear came upon him. He's he's afraid. And the, the first thing that the angel Gabriel tells him, he says, Zechariah, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The next thing that happens is Gabriel goes to Mary. Gabriel has his assignment. The next person on his list is to go to Mary. So I'm going to read that. It's also in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give, you, will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Lots of uncommon things are happening in this story. Lots of amazing things are happening. So Mary had some fear, just like Zechariah did, because the angel again says to her, just like he said to Zechariah, Mary, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. All things are possible with God. 
So anytime somebody sees an angel and the angel is telling them something, they're fearful at first. But the angel tells them, don't be afraid. She didn't ask for a sign like Zechariah did. She's like, you know, how is this going to be because I'm a virgin? She wanted a little bit of explanation, but she's not asking for a sign. And she basically gets in agreement with the angel really quick. She knows that this is a word from God. And when the angel says, this is what's going to happen, how is this going to be? The angel explains it, and then she says, I'm your servant. I'm, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be to me according to your word. And that's all the angel needed to hear. As soon as he got that agreement, as soon as he got that green light from Mary, but Mary basically saying, I believe. I'm in. Let's do this. The angel took off. He took off to his next assignment. That's all he needed to hear, and he was gone. Next is Joseph. Joseph was really, really troubled by all of this because here's this woman that he is engaged to, and she shows up pregnant. And she has this crazy story. But Gabriel also appeared to Joseph in the night while he was dreaming. Matthew chapter 1 tells the story of that happening. And listen to what the angel tells Joseph. Do not fear. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived is her in her is from the Holy Spirit. So Gabriel first appears to Zechariah, then to Mary, and then to Joseph, and he told all, of, all three of them, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. So when God speaks to us, one of the first things that happens is fear. If you know part of the calling that is on your life, Sometimes there's fear, like, do I have what it takes? Can I do it? A- am I capable of it? And am I going to like it? And is this going to be something that I enjoy, or is this going to be something that makes me miserable? If I follow Jesus and if I obey him, how, how is it going to turn out? And there's fear. Don't be afraid. Verses like this that say don't be afraid or, or do not fear, or do not worry, or don't be anxious. Verses like that appear in the Bible over 300 times. Over 300 times. Do not be afraid. God has called us to do uncommon things, but we aren't going to accomplish those things with fear. We're going to accomplish them with faith. So, we need to be like Mary when she says, I'm the Lord's servant. Whatever he says, I'm in agreement with it. Whatever he says, let it be. Because there's power in agreement. And when we agree with God, we do that in faith, and faith moves mountains. Amen? When I was in middle school, I played middle school football. It's the first time that I ever played football in my life. And I was a wide receiver, so I was out there on the end, and I would go out for routes. And in middle school, you don't catch a lot of passes. I caught a few passes in my, in my brief middle school football career. I caught some passes, but I wasn't very, very big. I was still pretty small. I hadn't hit a growth spurt yet, so I was pretty short and scrawny. But I, I was fast, and that's why I was a wide receiver. And so... Uh, in practice, we would do these tackling drills. 
And I hated the tackling drills because I would get hit hard every time. And how it would go would be there would be a line of guys that were gonna that were in line to carry the ball. And then on the other side of the ball, there was a line of guys that were gonna play defense. And so it would be one-on-one. And when you get to the front of the line, the coach would shove the, the football like right in your gut, and you would have to take off, and you would try to get past this one defender that is coming to kill you. And so I, I hated this drill because I don't know why, but every time I'm up there, I, I'm like counting. Like, okay, I'm five back. Who's five back on that side? Biggest guy on the team. Okay, excellent. There was this other guy, biggest guy on the team, his name was Kevin also, but he was huge. He was like twice my size, and every time, uh, like how did it happen every time that he was the one that would tackle me? The first time, the coach shoves the ball in my gut. I take off, and I see Kevin coming at like 100 miles an hour, and basically, I just kind of like pretended to trip, and just kind of like fall down like, oh, I'm already down. No need to tackle me, and I was thinking the coach would be like, okay, you know, back to the end of the line. No, the coach was like, nope, do it again. He knew. He knew. And so I have to do it again. He shoves the ball in. I take off. I was so scared that I didn't even, I couldn't even think about trying to make a move and juke this guy, which I probably couldn't have anyway. He hits me so hard, I'm flying through the air. And I remember I saw blue sky. I saw a part of a tree. And then I saw grass. And just grass like filled my helmet. And that was like, I, that was the hardest I've ever been hit. So the next time I'm in line, and I, uh, as I get closer to the line, I'm like, oh, you know what? I got to get a drink of water. And I go over, and I get a, my bottle of water, and I'm drinking. And instead of going back to my spot in line, I go to the back of the line. And I'm thinking, hopefully the coach is done with this drill by the time I get up to the front. And I thought that that would go unnoticed, but some of my teammates definitely noticed that. They're like, yeah, Kevin, we saw what you did. You went and got a bottle of water. Then you went to the back of the line. And they were basically calling me out as a coward because I was totally being a coward at that time. And I didn't like that. I didn't like being called a coward. I didn't like being a coward. And so fast forward throughout the football season, um, Towards the end of the season, we're playing one of our most important games. And we had won every game up until this point. We were playing against another team that was really, really good. And they had this monster defender who played linebacker on the other team. And he was blowing up all of our plays. He would just disrupt it. He would just shed blockers like, like water. And he would just tackle people. And he was just disrupting the whole offense for us. Sure enough, gets to the towards the end of the game, and we are down. We we need a, we need to score a touchdown. It's third down, so this is like our last chance to, you know, our last chance to get. We need, at least need a first down, but we really need to score. And so, uh, for some reason, I'm normally a wide receiver, but he lines me up in the slot. And if you don't know what that is, that's like not as far out there. I'm closer to the offensive line, and so. Guess who comes to cover me? The big guy, the huge guy, twice my size. And this, the, the play that they call, I still remember it. I left 38 sweep. I remember it like it was yesterday. So I'm lining up against him, and I know on this play, I'm not running a pass route. My job is to block him because the running back, Kevin, the other guy, Kevin, 
best, best player on our team, he is coming my way. Okay, he's coming to the left, and I'm the, I'm the only blocker that's kind of out there on the left side. And if I don't block this guy, then he's going to blow up the play. He's going to tackle him. It's going to be fourth down. We're going to probably lose the game. And so some courage started to build up within me. I look over to the sideline. I heard the coach talking about me. I could hear him, and I could see he was talking to people. He was trying to figure out what to do because I, could, I, I think I overheard him talking about me and he was saying that this was going to be a train wreck like this is not what he envisioned like he did not envision me blocking this guy but that's just the way it worked he didn't have time to call another play so but this courage starts to stir in me all right this boldness starts to stir in me and I I just figure you know what I might as well just go and hit this guy as hard as I can and if he just sends me flying then it is what it is but I, I'm not going to be the reason that my team loses. Like, I at least have to give the effort, so I'm going to give it my best shot. So they hike the ball, and I just go after this guy full speed, and I hit him as hard as I could. He barely moved. But the good thing is we kind of get tangled up together, right? And we're tangled up, and then here's these other two players, an offensive guy that's blocking a defensive guy, and they're, like, coming our way and they run into us, and all four of us fall down on the ground. The running back goes right by us. He goes down the field, and he scores a touchdown, and we won the game. Thank you. I went over to the sideline, and my coach, he hit me right on top of the helmet. And I hate it when that happens because it's so loud and it hurts, but it's actually a good thing in football. It's a very good thing. You want this to happen. He hit me right on top of the helmet, and he said, that play worked for one reason, because Kevin blocked the bleep out of that guy. And so that was like the highlight of my short middle school football career. But the reason that I tell you that is because I don't want you to let fear hold you back. I did that in football practice, but when it really mattered, I could not let it happen. Don't let fear hold you back from your God-given assignment. Each of you, you have a God-given assignment. God has a plan for you, and you can't change the world in fear. You change the world with faith. That's how you're going to do what God has called you to do. Now, let's talk about faith. How do you get it? Where does it come from? How do you build your faith? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell you how to do it. I want you to pay attention. I want you to take notes because we can't change the world with fear. We can change it with faith. So first, you read the word of God. If you want faith, you read the word of God. It sounds so simple, but so few believers actually do it. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Did you hear that? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Faith comes by reading the word of God. Faith comes by knowing the word of God. When you take the scripture and you hide it in your heart, it's in there. And it's going to come out when you need it the most. It is so important for you to know this. It is not just another book. It is the living, powerful word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. You have to know the word. Read the word. Meditate on the word of God. Over and over in here, it tells us to meditate on the word of God. 
I looked up that word, meditate. In the Hebrew, here's what it means. It means to ponder, to imagine, to study, to speak. So when it comes to the word of God, ponder it. Don't just go through your daily Bible reading plan or whatever it is that you do. Don't just breeze through it. Like take this scripture and ponder it. Chew on it a little bit. Imagine it. Imagine how it applies to your life. Imagine how you can take it and you can use it in everyday life. Meditate on it. Study it. Study it. Go deep and then speak it. Speak the word of God. Speak faith. Don't speak doubt. Don't, don't, don't always be talking about your problems. Be talking about the solutions because this is the solution. This is the answer. So, number one, read the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Second, you build your faith by obeying God. When God tells you to do something and you do it, that builds faith in you. You know what happens when you obey God? You create a testimony. A testimony is formed when you obey God. When God tells you to do something and you do it, then you you have that experience to draw on Next time, when you're going through a storm, when you're going through a difficult time, you look back on the past. Hey, remember when God told me to do this and I did it and it all worked out? That's a testimony. That's a testimony that I'm going to draw on because if God could do it for me then, he can do it for me now. Amen? We need testimonies. But don't let fear rob you of your testimony. Sometimes we're afraid to obey God. Sometimes God may put on your heart to go and and encourage somebody that's discouraged. God may put on your heart to go and witness to somebody. Tell them about the love of God. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend from high school. Sometimes God puts it on your heart to to give money, and you're you're afraid. If I give that money, what's going to happen to my bank account? Like, How am I going to make it? There's fear. But when God leads you to do something, do it and do it quickly. Don't let fear rob you of your testimony. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says, And they conquered him, it's talking about Satan, and they conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. So our testimony helps us conquer the enemy. But you won't have a testimony if you allow fear to hold you back. Fear keeps you from creating a testimony. So don't wait until there's no fear before you obey God. Don't wait till all the fear is gone because you'll never do it. The fear, you'll never get to the place where all the fear is gone. You just have to do it afraid. God tells you to do something and you're scared to do it, do it afraid. Because if you wait till the fear's gone, you'll never do it at all. A little bit of fear is okay because it challenges us to draw close to God and to ask him for help and not to do it on our own strength. So do it afraid. And then the third way you build your faith is to pray. Pray for faith. Ask God to increase your faith. Remember, God saves your prayers in a golden bowl, just like he saved Zechariah's. He hears you. And when you pray, have faith that God is answering your prayers. 
When you pray, pray in faith. Don't wrestle with those thoughts of, eh, I don't really know if I had enough faith. I don't really know if I had enough faith for this miracle to happen. I don't really know if I had enough faith for that breakthrough I really, really needed. Listen, don't put faith in your faith. Put faith in God. Remember the God that you're praying to. It's not even about your faith. Put your faith in him. Don't put your faith in, is my, is my faith high enough? Is my faith tank full enough? You get your faith tank full by having faith in him, not in you. So put faith in God. You might say, I feel like God is calling me to do something uncommon, but I don't know if I have what it takes. Everyone has thought that. Everyone that has done something great at one time or another thought that. I don't know if I, I, don't know if I have it. Mary and Joseph probably felt like that. They probably thought, we're just ordinary people. But God used them in an extraordinary way. They felt like they were common people. But God used them in an uncommon way. And so if you feel like you're common I'm here to tell you, God wants to use you in uncommon ways. You're in good company if you feel common because you're actually not common. You're actually not ordinary. You're extraordinary. You were created by God, and God doesn't make ordinary things. He doesn't make common things. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, We are God's masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he created for us long ago. You're God's masterpiece. You are a work of art because you're created by God, created by the ultimate artist. And you were created to make more art in this world. God's an artist, and he made you his little artist to go and to do these good things. It says that God has, has prepared good things for us, From long ago, God has this plan for us. He's created these good things for you to do. Fear is going to come against you. Ah, what are people going to think if I actually do that? Don't be afraid. Be full of faith. When you invite somebody to church, that's, that's a little work of art in itself. When you go and pray for somebody who's hurting, That's a little masterpiece right there. That's pretty cool. I think that that God is really impressed by that stuff. I know God is proud of you when you make an A, when you do well at work, but how you treat people, that is where the real good art happens, where the real good masterpieces happen. But it won't happen if you give in to fear. It won't happen. Instead, be like Mary. Get in agreement with God. I'm the Lord's servant. I don't make the rules. He's God and I'm not. If he tells me to do something, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it quick. When he tells me to do something, yes, sir. I'm here to obey God. I'm not here for God to serve me. I serve God. God is not here so that we can boss him around. And sometimes we do that with our prayers, with the way that we live our life. Like, God, where's this or where's that? God, I think, is saying, what have you done with what I've given you? What have you done with what I've already told you to do? 
I believe that many of you are here tonight and you're thinking about things that God has told you to do. It's not too late. There's another chance for you. You can always obey God. You can always turn it around. So get in agreement with God like Mary. Let him work in you and let him work through you. Mary took all those things the angel told him, told her, and, and she pondered those things in her heart. She just kept them there. She just thought about that. She believed that God could do it. So I want to speak the words of Gabriel to you guys tonight. Don't be afraid, for nothing is impossible with God. Next week, I'm going to be finishing uh, this series, Uncommon Christmas, and I'm going to be talking about why bad things sometimes happen even when you're following God and how you can respond to those. But tonight, I want to, I want to pray for you, and I want to ask the band to come up. Let's just bow our heads, and, and let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I'm so thankful for the Christmas story. So thankful for what you did with Zechariah and Elizabeth, John the Baptist, for what you did with Mary and Joseph. And this is the time of year where we remember that story, but it's really something that we always need to remember. We're so grateful that you came to this earth. God, we're grateful that you, Jesus, were the first missionary. You left your home and you came here to give the gospel to us. And that you died on a cross. You were punished for the sin that we deserve to be punished for. I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for grace and mercy. I thank you for your love for us, God. There is no one like you. And I want to pray for these young adults here tonight at Genesis. I pray for them that they would not let fear hold them back. For the things that you have called them to do are uncommon. They're amazing. They are your masterpiece. They're created to go and make masterpieces in this world. Don't let fear hold them back. I pray that courage would be stirred up within them. I pray for a holy boldness to rise up from inside of them. That they would step in to the God-given assignment that you have for them. And that they would be people of faith. For myself too, God, help us to be believers. Believers are supposed to believe, not doubt. Help us to believe. Help us to believe that we have what it takes because of you. Help us to have faith that because of you, nothing is impossible. Help us to have faith, God, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I pray for those that are struggling with an area of disobedience. They've disobeyed you. Lord, I pray that they would be quick to repent. They would be quick to get right with you. I thank you that you're going to give them another chance to obey, to get it right. We love you so much, God. We're so grateful for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand up on your feet with us as we worship.